So I remember myself walking to the our shitty office 2009, which we had like in the basement of the factory. And I had a used to have a walk like in the morning and in the evening because I was dreaming about having the, the gaming company with 100 employees. I remember like I will have 100 employees who will be like top of the gaming market companies and we will develop great games. But definitely... I didn't add the ideas in my mind that we will be the part of the biggest, you know, investment fund in the world. And I met amazing people and I gathered an amazing team that are capable of doing things out of Ukraine without any external expertise, without any proper data engineers that have good education and a huge experience. Hello, hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Kuffel, one of the engineers behind everything you're about to hear, and I'm joined by Brett Novak, Liquid and Grit's founder and CEO. This episode's guest tells us a gripping tale about how he began his journey as a small game development company in the Ukraine, only to rise up as one of the most successful social casino creators out there today. You may have figured it out already, but if not, our guest is Anton Krasny, former CEO of Merca from 2009 to 2021 and current chairman of the board. When Merca first stepped onto the scene in 2009, it was nearly impossible to enter the mobile casino market. So they had to get creative, not only to stand out, but to continuously distinguish their games as innovative additions to what they perceived as a somewhat homogenous genre. How did they do it and what obstacles did they face along the way? Listen to this episode of Creators at Work to find out. Murka uh, started in 2009, not 2014. So actually, it's a, it's mm. a bit uh, long, longer story to tell. And I live in Dnipro, not in Kiev. So I put it Kiev in my LinkedIn profile just to not confuse, not confuse people. Make it easier. Yeah, so it's a capital city and I'm, we have a, a big office there and a big presence, but I live in Dnipro for now, and... Uh, oh, right, 2000 and 2009, got it, okay. Yeah, right. so that, that's the year when I, when I left my job and started to, you know, to do what I'm doing today. <laughs> It'd be interesting to hear that. I mean, in 2009, let's start there, and then we can get to some of the LinkedIn posts, but I'm curious, in 2009, what made you decide to leave your job and start a gaming company? I'm a gamer, I think, for all my life. I've been a gamer since I remember myself. It started when my mom gifted me the, the old, it's not even PC, it was something, that, that the Russian analog of uh, ZX Spectrum. I don't know if you're familiar with this. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very old computer. Yeah, so it started for me very early. I think at the, the age of five, I started exploring the, the games and I was obsessed with the what you can do in games and I was completely into all of them that I can reach. I think for, for years I've been playing everything that uh, I was able to play. Then I got my first PC. My mind was blown away because the previous graphics was monochromatic, you know, just grayscale. <laughs> when I saw the, the, the VGA graphics, I was just amazed. And since then, I think it was at the age of seven, I started to go to school, and since then I had a dream to to develop my own game. I had a, I found even the old sketches of of myself when I just drawing the the levels and the story of the not existing games. 
But then the reality came in and the university and the first job, which was in a state design office building rockets. But in 2009, I met a guy in the, in the canteen of my office building and he mentioned to me like, have you heard about flash games coming to the social platform? Back in the days, we had, in Russian-speaking countries, we had our own ecosystem of, of that. We have three different social networks, which was Vkontakte, Adnaklasniki, and Mail.ru. And he, yeah, he mentioned that Vkontakte opened the API for the flash games. We had a, you know, like a quick calculation on a napkin, and we come up with a, with a nine-figure of some game that earning this money today. I came back to home and I do like a little research and I was amazed because when I opened this farming simulator in, in our social network, you can't actually play it back in the days so because you had interstitial pop-up which was asking you to invite three friends and then you can play. And then imagine that this the hockey stick grows of the of the game and I invited the three friends immediately. They accepted the invite. You know, after I think one minute spent in the game, I realized that it's uh, it will be a future, and I definitely want to be in in this game. So the next day, we decided that we will explore this this space, and we decided that we will try to do something on on the social network, and we come up with the idea of the social app. We call it "Compare Your Friends" at the time. It was something like hot or not. You had a two pictures of your friend and some silly question like who will become drunk uh, on the party. And then you need to answer on, on with the choosing one of your friends. And that friend received notification. Like some of your friends answered this silly question. Do you want to reveal the answer? Yes, he immediately entered the game. And for the reveal, we are asking for say 10 coins and he had zero at the start. But how you, how you get coins, you're answering questions about your friends. So you need to answer 10 questions. You will have 10 coins and you can reveal one answer. And in the first day, our homemade server, you know, didn't pass the smoke test. Really <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, I think in a, maybe in one week or so, we achieved like 30,000 DAU zero money because we didn't have the monetization inside of it. You just earn your coins through answering, answering questions. Back in the days, I realized that something hot happening on the market and uh, I decided to left my job and to, to have full involvement in what we did at, at that time it was September 2009. That's actually the, the birthday of the Murka. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a beginning of the, of the story. It will take. Did you some raise? Time. Did you raise any money, or were you just no. uh, bootstrap? Boot, bootstrap. Wow. And we've been bootstrapping for 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 a while. We implemented like a third-party ads inside of that application, and we start monetizing it in a very weak way, <laughs> but uh, give us some uh, ideas of that you can earn money in the first place, and then we try to maximize it. What we did, we started to to come up with the ideas of some kind of a similar application. We can utilize the, the capabilities of a social network to have the social component so it will virally, organically. And we started doing different simple social apps. It wasn't games at that moment. Then we, I don't know how it's say in English properly, but uh, at the time we made a divorce with my partner because he started mm. to do his own stuff. 
and we decided to split. And so we gathered all the employees and said, okay, you have to decide whether you go with Anton or with Anton. His name was also Anton. <laughs> it was confusing for them. Uh, How many employees did you have at that time? Five. Five. Okay. <laughs> surprisingly for me, all of them joined me. But wow. now I, I don't think it's surprisingly. Being a very modest person, but I think that the, they made a the right choice. And uh, <laughs> back in the days, uh, we the, the social networks evolved. They get rid of this viral so, component. So did you become 100% owner of the company then? Yes and no. So it was not the, the ownership in, in the modern understanding. It was just, uh, we didn't even have the, the proper entity that we can accept money. So it was the weird times. We've been approached even then by some of the famous IT guys from our areas. They offered like investment, but in the end of the day, we didn't finish any of this negotiation successfully. And we start exploring what we can do else on the market. And then the mobile market, uh, you know, started to evolve. We explored this opportunity immediately. Oh yeah. So what year was this? 2010. In the end of 2010, we started to think what we can do, you know, with a more rich experience, with something more, more games-like, not more apps-like. Tough. And then I met, uh, in 2009, I met my future partner, Max. We had a very good meeting with him. I pitched him uh, my idea that yeah, I have five employees. We are still very low uh, in terms of economics, but we had a huge plans and we had a, a bright future in our heads. So I pitched him his idea. He believed in it and uh, immediately he said, okay, let's go. In April 2011, we become official partners. And we start doing, you know, some proper corporate governance. We uh, open up <laughs> the entity that was allow us to, to enter App Store and Google Play Market. We had, back in the days, I pitched him this three gaming uh, ideas. We had match three game. We had mm -hmm. a city building game. And we had social casino game. The, the, the agreement was that we need to develop three of them. And we need to test, to test different genres. And to see in the end of the year what will be the, the most successful and then, you know, move into that direction. We developed match three. It was complete fail for us. <laughs> we, we didn't even finish the city building game because we thought that it would be very easy. I think the hardest idea that we had. But we managed to finish the, the social casino game. We planned to develop it only for, for our local social network. So it was developed using Flash. If you if you can hear the screams in the background, so it's my kids. I have four kids. Yeah, <laughs> they can interrupt. Oh no! <laughs> it's fine. I have three, and I lock the door, so they're not going to interrupt. And uh, we we planned it in the beginning. All of the of these games we planned to launch on on a social network. We use Flash and Action Script back in the days. So uh, first on the on the Russian social network is what you're saying. You were going to launch first yes. there. Yeah, that's what the plan. I think that we started the, to, to implement this plan in April, and I think till till the end of the summer, something something around September, we launched the the social casino game. We didn't even know this name. We didn't even name it social casino back in the days, and uh, we launched it on Russian social network, and it went boom economically. I mean. If we will compare our first social app, it was growing in terms of daily active users, like like a rocket. Yes, this social casino game that we launched in the back in the days, it grows also 
in terms of money. So it grows in terms of daily active users. We also had uh, like viral component in, in there, uh, which we uh, implemented, uh, you know, from our previous knowledge, and it grew very well. Now, was this scatter slots, or was this a different, a previous app to scatter slots? That's the second part of the story. Okay, yeah. I'm skipping ahead. Yeah. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm too excited. Okay. Sure, sure. So, <laughs> it was a you know positive signal for us that we are doing something great, and the feedback from the players, from the Russian-speaking community, was amazing. I think the after one week or two of operation we gathered like with a board meeting but it wasn't that we need to explore mobile market and to do so we need like ios engineer who can develop for you know game for ios yeah and i think in a couple next weeks we had our first mobile engineer we came up with the amazing brand name we called our game slots journey why we called it so? Because when we had the idea of developing the, the social casino app, we were looking definitely on the on the not big at that moment guys who were available on the market. It was Playtica with like Slotomania, and that's it. We played a lot of it as a game designer. I thought, you know, it looked like seamless play. So you just spin and spin and level up, and that's it. So we had the idea that we will put the simple map with a progression, so illustrate this level up with just, you know, journey. And we call it Slot's Journey, and we developed the mobile version out of it, I think, in three months. We had a, with one engineer, actually. It's, a, it's really... That's insane. So the good thing that we had all the logic and all the graphics, by the way, the, all the graphics I, uh, I did by myself back in the days, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yes. That's and awesome. It's ugly, actually. I was looking at it <laughs> recently. It's, it's, I opened up my old Dropbox folder and I was amazed. Like for two hours, I was like, oh, <laughs> you did this? This was me? <laughs> yes. We developed in the three and a half, like four months. We have playable version uh, until December 2011. In January 2012, uh, we've seen an approved version on the App Store. And it was back in the days, it was like three weeks of approved by, by App Store. <laughs> yeah, I remember like, that. You no, know, you're just sitting every day waiting. <laughs> so we launched in January 2012. We didn't even have the, any kind of an admin tool or analytical platform back in the days. So we launched it and we, are, we realized that we cannot see any numbers. Like we don't have any analytics. In uh, App Store analytics, it was a very weird place. We implemented like quickly the flurry. Uh, I don't know, maybe you remember yes. back in the days, yep. it was some mm -hmm. kind of a analytical Third platform, third-party so comp component in, in, in inside of the game. And I think that in a couple of days in the morning, we just checked this analytics report from flurry, and we were like, "What? Like we we saw there's some kind of a bug or something? Like maybe we uh, we did something wrong with in, you know in the source code because." It was a lot of payments and uh, from all over the world, from Qatar. And uh, we saw like, you know, 100 bucks payment, 100 bucks payment. And we saw some kind of a cheater maybe. And the next day we re realized that it was, you know, like overnight success for us. It was real money. And we saw them like in App Store analytics. And it was growing insanely fast in economically. Until April 2012, we fulfilled all our goals that we had with Max, uh, you know, in the beginning. 
overachieved it and overperformed everything that we even planned. It was like 25 employees, most of them. We didn't have any anything like a marketing department or data uh, guys, data engineers. We were, all we had just artists, animators, game designers, and engineers. Luckily, Max has a huge experience in in the, in the digital marketing when he saw the numbers he immediately said okay guys it's the time we need to in, invest money into marketing and he called me the number i still remember it i won't call it now but i was shocked because this number was very big and he said okay <laughs> you need to i will give you the money uh, like uh, i will give you a loan uh, and you will invest this money into game and we did this I don't know even how we did this, but uh, we managed to spend like half of this amount. Max uh, told us about this cohort analysis and about ROI. And uh, we saw amazing results with this, uh, you know, without knowledge, we managed to, to, to start acquiring users effectively. And we saw the ROI is growing and that's it. We thought, okay, we, we're done. Uh, we, we changed the office. We... I think we start hiring aggressively. So we grew from 25 people to 50 people, like in two months. It was a big <laughs> challenge. Yes, yes. It was a big challenge. Like, actually, we hired like every day somebody new came to the office and like, okay, guys, what, what I need to do? Starting exploring the space and we, we started to do many other games. We started to develop them. We started to develop a couple of social casino games. Uh, we we started to do out of this genre games, which was complete mistake at that moment. And we, I could say that during 2012, we were drunk by our success, and we you know lost the focus and lost the ground. In the, in the end of the year, we realized that the slow journey is not growing anymore. That mm-hmm. we can acquire the users with the same price we've been managed to acquire them in the beginning of the year and uh, the economics was not very good and in 2013 we lost our focus completely so slow journey started to fall it was you know like uh, the valley of death pass we didn't lo- lo- start losing money back in the days but the the trends were you know dramatically falling and uh, we started, okay, we, what we can do at that moment? We started to develop more, more games. All of them were a complete fail. I remember the day when I came up and opened up uh, the daily report, and I saw that for yesterday, we earned less than we are spending. And I saw, you know, the, the, the red number for the very first time since 2010. And it was the life-changing moment for me because from the outside, everyone looked at us as a successful company, as a Ukrainian startup that make it. I think I fall into deep depression back in the days. So I was trying to come up with a, with a plan what to do next. If I'll recall it right, so we had like 11 titles some of them were in the active stage of development. Some of them were, you know, on the support, but we had like 11, 12 games and they're not earning money at all. I decided to, to change something and to, to shake everybody up. And uh, we had the all heads, head ups meeting 
And I gathered everyone and said, okay, guys, it's a full stop for us. We are stopped to develop everything. I think for 2013, when we lost our focus, we started looking on the on the top guys and we start copying them. We lost mm-hmm. this creativity. We, we start looking on the top players on the, on the market back in the days and we thought, okay, what we can implement in our game. I said, let's open it to everyone. And I said, okay, guys, we are stopped development of all the project we have right now and since the tomorrow we will trying to put ourselves in the shoes that we had like a couple of years ago we wanted to come up with something fresh and something cool and something that market haven't seen before in the meeting room i gathered like the most creative guys uh, and we came up with the idea that we will create two games the internal names of these games was new hardcore slot and new casual slot which was become scatter slots and infinity slots the idea was that we recognized that our best and main expertise back in the days was the social casino thought that we we won't explore different genres and we will announce ourselves as a social casino developer and we thought that uh, all of these games that were live on the market back in the days they're we're all with this gimmick graphics and, you know, vivid colors and all this, let's say, which was common for slot machines for the gambling apps. We thought that the, the male audience is untouched in, the, in our heads. One of these failed apps that we closed uh, in 2014 was the card collecting game. We spent, I think, $300,000 back in the days on the freelance graphics so we hired like top artists all over the world like from blizzards uh, from like big companies you name it mm-hmm. uh, we realized that we have hundreds of graphics that we wanted to use for our card collecting games and we didn't want to throw it away so we printed all of them you know and put it on the floor and we said okay so it looks like very dark theme graphics like very RPG-like. Then we had this idea of that untouched male audience, part of the of the audience, and we thought, okay, how we can combine this? How did the, you have the inclination of the untouched male audience? Was there data from your previous games, or was this instinct, or what? It was just the intuition, the the, the instinct. As I, I think all of the social casino games back in the days, they were very woman-oriented. And the and and the graphics was very cartoonish. Yeah, they're very cute. Yeah, they're very cute. But uh, you know, I've already visited Vegas back in the days for the first time in my life, and I saw this uh, let's say blue hair ladies, which is you know internal term in the in the Las Vegas. And also, I thought a lot of the young guys and a lot of the males that were playing slot machines and they were just browsing the games. I, I thought that we are will create the niche game that we will be out of the market out of the the, the common picture and common graphics and we'll try to something more rpg like with more female characters with a lot of open skin so we had this hardcore style uh, idea uh, also we took the proved concept of progress through the map from slow journey, but we wanted to add another sense uh, to it. Back in the days, it was the boom of Candy Crush, when you have like a task on each level. So mm-hmm. we thought that how we can marry all of this, and the scatter slots uh, was born. <laughs> 
on on the other hand uh, the second project was the new casual slots we thought that we will go the opposite direction that the scatter slots so we will create mm -hmm. the the sense of playing it was the progress through collecting puzzle pieces and then building up the preview of your next slot so once you finish you you open up your new slot with the idea of creating graphics which is common on the market we developed scatter slots from that day in the meeting room to the live version on mobile also in three months so wow. in it was actually so like a, fast yeah that is yes. very fast yes i, I think that, that that's because i had amazing team i still some of these guys still working in Murka and they're doing an amazing job. They were so involved. You can come up to the office to, the, I don't know, 1 a.m. and you still see the guys that are just, you know, with the headphones on, just engineering. It was an amazing time because the, the, the passion was, you know, flying through the office and the, mm -hmm. the atmosphere was amazing. <laughs> we developed the scatter slots in three the months and we launched it also in January. So it was like uh, the month of launch for us. Uh, in, in, in Infinity Slots, which was casual slot idea, we developed it in, I think, six months from, from the day in the meeting room. For the, all these years, what else we did? We started building the platform. To, uh, remember the mention of the Flurry Analytics? So we, mm -hmm. we understand that we need some intelligence of what's going on inside a company, not on the next business days, but today. We need to, I want to see the, our own proprietary dashboards and I will want to you know, build them in the way that I need as a, as a CEO. During that time, we built, uh, I think, very sophisticated platform, which allow us to, to test the ideas very quickly, which allow us to forecast the cohort the performance precisely. And that helped us, the knowledge from slow journey and this knowledge from testing the, a lot of ideas, failing with them, allow us to, to invest in scatter slots heavily. So when we, when we launched it, it was also like another overnight success for us the, the feedback from users was amazing i think that that was the start of my day so i opened up the daily report and then for a couple of hours i was reading the re reviews just all of them and uh, was translating this into the features or epics for the team we were developing things very fast back in the days yeah and uh, thanks to our bi platform that we were building and thanks to, the, thanks to the marketing team that were already very knowledgeable in terms of what we can do, we saw the very positive signals that were saying to us, you need to invest all of your money in, into scatter slots. We still didn't believe that it's true numbers and it's <laughs> very, you know, it's very promising, uh, but we had a another board meeting and we i took a risk as a ceo and i decided that we need to invest a lot of money to test to test our bi platform whether it's wrong or right in terms of therefore it's forecasting today i would say we didn't we even invest i think like uh, hundreds of thousand uh, us dollars in in the ua but today i re i understand that we need to invest millions uh, mm -hmm. if if we had it yeah because if I look on the on the early cohorts of scatter slots and the performance, they have ROI of two thousand percent or three thousand percent. Wow! It's a, <laughs> yeah, today, and we mm -hmm. didn't have the idea of the of the long term long term concept. 
that the players inside the game they can live for three, four, five years because the, the longest game we had it was slow journey and the players were you know churning uh, I think in the nine months extremely fast. So we didn't realize that we can build something you know with the idea that the people will play it for years. But we sent this that uh, the game can be, you know, as an entertainment, as a service, very long story. And that is why today I, I think that we, need, we needed to invest even heavily than we did it at that day. It's a short story of, of, of Murka. And uh, the, the, the third part of it is, you know, the, if you will look on our revenue numbers in 2014, it is a, really like a hockey stick. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately, we were approached by the big guys from the market, and we went from the, let's say, 1 million of revenue per, per, per month to 10 million revenue per month, like in, in one year. We, we've been approached, as I said already, and we started to spend in our time answering on all these potential deals and being part of the due diligence that lasted for months. And we've been distracted a lot, but still, we managed to launch the slots era, which was the, the sequel for scatter slots. We took the scatter slots idea. We get rid of all the female characters. We put it, which we, we changed them for male characters with the same idea. Then we launched the infinity slots. It was also a successful launch for us. And we tried not to lose focus back in the days. So we wanted to develop our games as a service and as an entertainment platform. And we started to invest heavily in live ops and in content. So I think our, our first live ops was on the, on the Independence Day for the US in July 2014. So we were looking on the, on the big guys and we were looking on them, what they did at, at that moment, just interstitial pop-up with the, with the 4th of July and some of the attributes of those <laughs> holidays. But we wanted to come up with the innovation because it's part of our DNA. So we, we came up with the idea that we wanted to do something like unique or custom-built live ops. So it helped the minigame or metagame inside of it. And uh, it was another right decision for us because it gave us the ability to monetize our players more aggressively and in a unique way back in the day. So the market. Mm -hmm. And I think we are coming to the, to the moment when we met with Brett. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm was a, that I'm moment like? <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. It was actually Casual Connect. Casual Connect in, uh, yeah, in the Omni upstairs. Yes. Yes. It was yes. Casual no, I Connect. mean, I don't know if we want to bore anyone with my story because your story sounds so much more interesting. But that was the moment that I get, uh, walked up the, uh, actually rode up the escalator at the Omni Hotel and met with you. And I actually looked back to answer your question. We had, I think, about 10 subscribers. So, and your six-month renewal of the subscription was up in July, and we were meeting in June. And I can remember riding up the escalator at the Omni Hotel, which I think a lot of people listening probably ridden that escalator up and met somebody. And I came up, and you were on one of those platforms sitting on the couch. And as I mentioned earlier, a little intimidating if you know Anton at all. He's, a, he's, he's obviously a warm, nice guy, but he's intimidating looking. And <laughs> I could be wrong about this detail, but I think you're wearing a black leather jacket. I don't know if that was a, a fabrication of my, of my imagination, but you have the Ukrainian look down from an American perspective. And I was pretty intimidated walking up to you to talk to you about 
this potential huge renewal of mine. And when we started talking though, and you opened up your phone and you started showing me your new game that was coming out, I realized that you were just like me. You were an excited creator of games and you were super into games. And we just started getting into the details of the games and I relaxed and all we did was talk about the mechanics. And then at the end, I can remember saying, so are you going to renew? And you said, oh, sure. Send me an email <laughs> when, you, you know, when you get back to the, <laughs> when you get back home. And that was a very vivid memory for, for me at Liquid and Grit because we were less than a year old and just entering the market and growing. But yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the, for this memories. Moving a bit back to, to that moment. And actually, you had a great reports. Uh, and I remember when we are sitting with our game designer team and we are looking on the your early reports and we were amazed all the depth of you know of your understanding that reports was looked like our internal reports. We were sold immediately. So for sure we were in you. Actually our second report, the second or third report I looked up, I have it here, was about scatter slots. And similar to you, I cringed looking at this. When you look at your art, I cringe to look at the quality level of this report compared to what we do today, because I used to do all of that. Thankfully, I don't anymore. But uh, I did stare at that like you did your art and think this is what we did back in 2000, the beginning of 2016. Yeah, that was a bit of memory of mine. So that was that casual connect back in June of 2016, I believe. So take me through sort of this last two chapters, right, where you're, you can, where you're acquired and you're, you've come from being just this idea, you yourself bootstrapping it to acquiring it. Now you're a board member. I think that the, this chapter begins when, before even launched the scatter slots, uh, we've been approached by, say it was the biggest poker player in the world, poker game developer in the world, out of the social ecosystem. So uh, they didn't have the presence in mobile or social market. So we've been approached by them. We entered the, the deal and the due diligence process, and I believe it was 2014. We didn't even have the, the scatter slots live yet. We spent a lot of time going back and forth and changing the data and, and giving them the idea what we are trying to achieve our plans look like hockey stick but it was just a forecast back in the days they i think they laughed on us so and uh, we spent i think four months uh, or so in this hard due diligence process we we passed it and we were so glad and the the number that was on in the term sheet was amazing for us so it was Definitely is a success story for Ukrainian startup. But uh, I remember the, the morning when I went to gym and I received the email or where I was on treadmill, like the deal is canceled because of the legal counsel of that company decided that they won't risk and they won't acquire any company in Ukraine. It was a disaster, like a shock, like a hard hit. I recovered a couple of days, came back to the team. And we continue to develop scatter slots. And I think we launched in, in, in a couple of weeks after that. And I remember also receiving the mail from the guys that were a part of the deal. Like we are biting our elbows. And uh, that feels good. <laughs> it feels good. Actually, still, <laughs> after all these years, it still feels good. <laughs> we, we dropped the idea of, you know, selling our company because we were 
you know, we were growing like like a rocket. We, we've been approached by the top U.S. gaming companies like, okay, guys, we want to explore. We just said no. But then when we reached, let's say, Plateau, it was amazing Plateau. So the monthly revenue back in the days was the exact amount of money our first acquirer offering for the whole company. Wow. <laughs> so so that was a that was a really lucky moment in many ways, that that mm-hmm. terrible feeling you had on the treadmill, right? Yes. Back in the days the perception was like it's a it's the end. It's a disaster. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we saw a say a plateau and we started growing not so aggressively, but still incrementally, uh, we've been approached by big guys and we spent like six months in due diligence with uh, one of the biggest company in the gaming market in the US. But then in the final stage. We didn't manage to negotiate the price because we believed in ourselves. Immediately after, we've been approached by another big guy that were part of the social casino ecosystem. They are still, I think, in all the news right now. We've been with them in nine months due diligence. I thought that it was the hardest due diligence I ever had. We've been so distracted. I think all the top managers were so into it because it was moving successfully. And we thought, okay, this is it. That's our moment. In the end of the day, it fell apart and think of the of the fatigue for so long. So the parties, we decided that it's not going to happen and it's not going to work in the, in the way they, that they planned. It was uh, also like a shock for me that we didn't succeed. We spent so much energy and so much time and so much paper of all these reports. We thought, okay, no more deals, no more M&As. Like we're sick of it. Like just, yeah, just get back to work. And then we received the, I remember also the day we received the email from Blackstone. Uh, I remember that, okay, I heard something about Blackstone, but then I Google it and I was like, what? It's, it's still, I think it's the biggest private equity firm in the world. I remember sitting on my computer and thought that, okay, it's some kind of a joke or something. We, we, we just ended up like a couple of weeks. We ended up the huge process that lost forever and then these guys. And uh, we entered the due diligence with them. That was the hardest due diligence ever in my life. The process was so hard and so in-depth analysis of everything that we did. I could say that the deal was falling apart a couple of times during the process in the way that also we had experienced uh, previously. We managed to, to successfully close the deal and in 2019 become the part of the Blackstone with uh, me and them as a shareholders in the company. Let's say during that time when we've been, I call it due diligence times, where when constantly for, 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 for three years, we've been, even four years, we've been highly involved in these processes. Operationally, during that time, we still managed to develop our BI platform and our data uh, platform and uh, I could say it with all my modesty I think we are on the market the most sophisticated company in terms of data and what we are doing with it and how we are uh, how we're making decisions our segmentation model also allow us to look on the every game and on every campaign that running on that game into different perspective, we are having more than 200 segments right now with the sub-segments, with a group inside of it. Right now, we are aiming to 
personalization of the user experience in a 100% way. So it will be unique for each of the player. So they can experience all the depth of the game and have the best actual experience that they can. And here we are right now, at the end of the, of the third chapter, and who knows what awaits us next. <laughs> that is an amazing story, Anton. Yeah. When you started it all the way back in 2009, did you, I mean, I think I know the answer, but did you ever think that it was going to become what it did? No and yes. So I remember myself walking to the our shitty office 2009, which we had like in the basement of the factory. And I had a used to have a walk like in the morning and the evening because I was dreaming about having the, the gaming company with 100 employees. I remember like I will have 100 employees who will be like top of the gaming market companies and we will develop great games. But definitely... I didn't add the ideas in my mind that we will be the part of the biggest, you know, investment fund in the world. And I met amazing people and I gathered an amazing team that are capable of doing things out of Ukraine without any external expertise, without any proper data engineers that have good education and a huge experience. I mean, this last chapter, I'm kind of interested as a board member now. I mean, what does that role look like for you today? My, my new role, it was planned during the deal, part of the internalization of the company and the move from the family-like company, which is governed by one or two guys, to the proper international company. We have proper board meetings today. I think Blackstone ownership allows us and give us access to the best talents in the, in the market. And immediately after the deal, I put the, the position that I want to hire, and this position I want to hire not from Ukraine, I want to hire from the world. Until that moment, all our employees were, were not from the gaming market or anything like this. So what we were doing was completely new for them. But we realized that we are amazing company internally, and we proved that the... We did many of the things right. We just need to tweak them correctly. From my perspective, I'm right now focusing on everything that I wanted to focus. So more strategic view, more on the company, mm -hmm. more like guidance than doing things. Actually, I don't like operational stuff, but as an entrepreneur, I realized that I need to, to do this nitty gritty job day to day so the company will succeed. Being an entrepreneur, I think that you know this and I would like to quote Elon Musk, like being an entrepreneur is like eating glass, looking the abyss of death. That's true, mm -hmm. actually. And right now I consider myself not, not as an entrepreneur and I allow to, to guide my company that was my you know, fifth kid. Right now I'm allowed to approach different companies at the M&A target and we're exploring this opportunity right now. So how we as a board can explore something that we hadn't access to before, how we can make the decision that will guide our company to the more successful state. Yeah, that's, that's a delicate balance as an entrepreneur where you know you have to do these things that you don't want to do, and they're important to move the company forward. But at the same time, you're constantly trying to get yourself to the stuff that you love, because being an entrepreneur can be, like you said, so difficult. And if you lose those things that you love, 
you're potentially going to get burned out or depressed or whatever mm-hmm. else may happen emotionally because there are going to be all these other things flying at you like those days where you see the red on your daily report or the day that the deal falls through or whatever, or you got to go meet with this Ukrainian guy at casual connect wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> I mean, those <laughs> you need the fun stuff, like the podcast that we created to energize yourself, to get up in the morning and say, Oh, I'm so excited to talk to Anton and do that podcast. Cause that's what I dreamed of. And now I get to do it. And that's the, Oh, I'm so excited for that. After this podcast, I'm probably going to have to do some LLC, S-Corp, something that I just cannot stand to do that have my list. Entrepreneurial stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anton, given your uh, new perspective now as uh, being on the board, where do you think overall mobile gaming is going to be going in the next three, five, six years? It's a, it's a great question, but it, I think that every year we'll have different answer. But for now, I think we will see the emergence of the new non-existent platforms. Everyone's seen the, the Tesla announcement, yes, and that they, mm-hmm. Tesla will become the gaming platform. Also, I think in the, in the, in the nearest future, we'll have the emergence of the AR platform and AI interface, which will add some spice uh, to the to the gaming market and not using the AR platform as itself as a standalone platform but just using AR to the to add the something to the user experience more reach more in depth more personalized also uh, i think where is market is moving say yes yesterday or a couple of years before we had 80% is the kernel of the game or just the game by itself and 20% is the meta. Where, where we are now moving is we are seeing that it's already 50% meta and 50% core game loops. And I think that this meta component will develop and that's what holds people for years inside the game. It's not so important what they do, what they are doing day to day. It's more important what anchors they have in their minds. So what North Star or huge goal that they have in them in their minds to achieve. So we definitely will see the meta you know, evolving and will take more of the of the screen time. As I as I said, screen time, we will see this hard fight for the for the attention. We are right now in the attention economy. We are, we are seeing this with it, you know, with the TikTok, right? The growth of TikTok was amazing. And what they did is they came up with the algorithm to catch the attention in a more efficient way. How fast you can catch the attention of of the player will predefine how you will uh, how successful will you be on the market. Also, I think what we saw recently with this hyper casual boom, this boom angered big guys, big platforms. So the Apple and Google, they're angry that they allowed to do so. So they will fight this not very quality products and they will fight the developers with one with one app. They will come up with more, more policies and more new rules that will slow this process down. What we saw from the successful um, hybrid casual games like one of my favorite, Archer, when you have the, the very casual concept, but it's so sophisticated in that nature that you can come up with every crap around it and you can add any in-depth mechanic that you can come up with. 
And you know that the none of the I think Archer or clo clones even closer like to even five percent of the revenue. So mm -hmm. I think we will see more of this kind of games as an Archer, where you have very simple hyper casual mechanics, but amazingly deep meta and amazingly deep like wrap around these simple mechanics. This will come up with the also consolidation on the market still. I think big guys will acquire and do M&As. And I think that for the last year, every week, there is some big news uh, that some big guys acquiring some, some amazing startup or amazing gaming company. I think the, that's uh, my, you know, my ideas right now and my thoughts right now. But uh, anyway, I will do a more research because it was just you know, notes for today. Yeah, that was great, though. Thank you. I think it was accurate. Perspective, particularly on the meta experience. So we've seen that, for example, the birth of idle games was because of that. Basically, they realized on Congregate that players were only playing games because they wanted to chat. So they would just mm -hmm. keep the game idle. And then they started realizing that if they created games that were idle and the, the core game experience actually had no interaction that players had really strong retention and monetization around it because they wanted to chat with their friends. And so the percentage of value on the meta experience in an idle game is 99% of it. Now there are idle games out there where it's interesting to interact with it. And I'm not saying all are like that, but that was a, that was how idle was, was born. And I agree. If you look at the shift from core features back in 2011 when I was at Zynga. It was all the core feature, right? You spent two months investing in a leaderboard. And now we see features going out with a live ops events on the day that it's going out, right? So there's even a shift on the feature level where they're taking a percentage of their development time and investing in events before the feature goes live. Again, Anton, thank you for coming on here. This has been incredible. And personally, as a fellow entrepreneur, having thought of this idea of starting a podcast, getting somebody like Katie who knows how to edit and make it sound much better than I could do, <laughs> and then getting someone like you to come on and share your story for me is, is a moment that I will cherish and remember because it just, it embodies everything that I thought would be able to be created. And here we are doing it. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And thanks so much again to our guest, Anton, for sharing his story and experiences with us. Do you have any questions about the episode? Any ideas for future guests? Then please shoot Brett an email at brett.novak at liquidandgrit.com. That is B-R-E-T-T dot N-O-W-A-K at liquidandgrit.com. We hope you were inspired by today's episode, and if you were, consider subscribing to our show or sharing it wherever it is that you love to share things. Until next time, here's a final prediction from Anton to close us out. I think that the huge also potential for the market is the AI games. I, uh, I explored AI dungeon game, and it's amazing. I think we will see more.